Welcome to Belief Beat. I'm this week's host, John Horner-Eibler, one of the pastors at Unity Lutheran Church in Brookfield, Wisconsin. Imagine this visual, a smiling woman sitting in a chair wearing a blue face mask next to her hospital bed, holding a sign that says, I survived COVID-19. And when you see it, you know that woman, and your emotional reaction is one of great relief and celebration. It might also cause you to want to talk more with that woman sometime, and that's what we're doing today. But first, a little background. We started these podcasts as a way of just talking to each other. We, we figured we'd talk collectively with people who could help us get through COVID-19, as well as people who just do interesting things, and we could enjoy their knowledge and passion for what they do. Today, we're going to talk to the woman in the picture, Chris Myers and her husband, Ken. Unity members know the Myers family as one of our long-term member households. Chris and Ken's kids, Anna and Mike, came through our confirmation and senior high programs. I know Mike and my son, Michael, were together on the wettest Boundary Waters trip ever. And then her senior year, Anna and I were together on the Boundary Waters canoeing trip uh, that also saw its share of rain. Uh, so we're, we're all forever connected by soaked rain gear. Life is always changing, though, and work took uh, Ken and the family to the East Coast, and so the Myers now live in Massachusetts. I'm super appreciative uh, of both of you joining us on this podcast. Welcome, Chris. Hi, good to see you. And welcome, Ken. It's good to see you, Pastor John. So we humans are such social creatures, and so it's not surprising that something in us wants to rush to get back to normal from COVID. But as we do that, most people still haven't talked to someone who had COVID-19, let alone someone who was seriously ill with it. And I think that lack of personal experience with the disease uh, causes us to let our guard down a little bit. And, you know, we kind of say to ourselves, well, it hasn't happened to me. It probably won't happen to me. How bad could it be? Now, this podcast isn't about scaring anyone into isolation, but it is about allowing us to I'll do something we may not have done yet, and that's have a conversation with someone uh, we know who had COVID so we can have a realistic knowledge of what this disease is like and what it can do. And so that person is Chris Myers. Uh, she was the woman in the picture I talked about at the beginning. And uh, rather than have me tell any of her story, uh, it's a good time to let Chris and Ken as well start telling us their story. So Chris, uh, I saw you as recently as early March, I think, uh, back at church. You were in Wisconsin, and uh, I think you were at our last Wednesday Lenten service. So let's go back to that period in time. What, what brought you to Wisconsin back in March? Well, I came to Illinois to visit family, and then I had a dear friend whose husband was suffering from some neurological condition. And as a retired nurse, I came back to help them navigate the healthcare system. So I actually flew home on March 14th. Uh, and you, you were healthy at the time, right? I was healthy at the time. Okay. And then I presume you started feeling not healthy. <laughs> well, that go? I flew home on the 14th and March 18th is when I started coming down with symptoms. You know, just feeling achy and tired. That's how it kind mm -hmm. of um, nobody back in Wisconsin or Illinois that I was with got sick. So I'm assuming that it was either an airport exposure or a plane exposure. 
So despite doing all my cleaning of that plane when I got on, <laughs> I still managed to get sick. Wow. So you, you were tracking it. I mean, I guess we all were tracking it. So you took precautions and yet still got sick. Correct. I did not have a mask. I mean, they were talking at that time that masks were for people who were sick. Right. Not people, you know, to prevent it. So, you know, this young man next to, uh, you know, next to me on the plane, him and I cleaned as much as we could clean. So it was four days later when I started feeling sick. Okay. And uh, uh, you didn't end up in the hospital right away. What was kind of the course of your disease to begin with? Well, I spent 11 days at home before admission. Um, you know, the first few days weren't bad, you know, just aches and I would just take, you know, some Tylenol and I would feel better. And then by that weekend, I had started to have diarrhea and cough, um, you know, fever was gradually going up. So on Monday, I spoke to my physician who put me on an antibiotic and said, you know, it's probably not COVID. Let's just, you know, oh. talk to her two days later. Um, symptoms were getting worse. Fever was getting higher. Um, and so she actually changed some medications she gave me. And then Friday of that week, she sent me to urgent care. So I was seen actually in my vehicle and um, they tested me for influenza and that was negative. And then my oxygen level was low and they said, you know, it's not terribly low. Why don't you go find a pulse ox, you know, for the finger to keep track of it. But throughout the week, I was getting gradually sleeping more, gradually more sick, not really out of bed, you know, at all. So. Wow. And Ken, where are you? Uh, where are you in the middle of all of this? Are you traveling for business? Or are you home at this point? And what are you observing as Chris is getting slowly sicker? So when, uh, when Chris came down with her symptoms, um, the, all the rules that we were given from a work perspective was that, uh, that I needed to self-quarantine. So I contacted my employer, told them what was going on, and they basically said, look, you need to stay home. And you know, basically I quarantined for, uh, I guess, um, eight, seven weeks total where I wasn't allowed to go wow. because of, of how all this, uh, all this transpired. So obviously I was the caregiver. So I was help, you know, feeding Chris and, and cleaning the, the, the linen and, and doing all those kinds of things, going to get food when we needed food and so on. Um, during that time, um, and uh, you know, drove her to urgent care um, uh, when when she needed to go there. Um, so that's, and and of course, if you remember it, that that's the time when they were really being quite careful about about testing. Also, so they really they they didn't have a lot of tests, and so they wouldn't test Chris right away. Um, even though she had symptoms, they said no, no, no you you don't have um, severe enough symptoms, and therefore they they wouldn't allow um, uh, her to be tested. So that's why they tested her for influenza, which is sort of, okay, well, she doesn't have that, so she probably has COVID. But it wasn't until she got to the hospital before she was actually tested. Right, right. Yeah, the, the lack of testing went on for the longest time. I mean, my, my wife, Barb, works in the medical field, and uh, you know, it took forever for them to get access to, to testing. So you, you were able to find a pulse ox, went back home. No, we didn't find it. 
actually until Sunday, two days after Saturday. Saturday. Okay. Yeah. And so Sunday morning I got up, I was extremely weak and um, we, my pulse was, my pulse ox was only 85%. And you, you're, you should at least be 92%. Okay. Yeah. That's a little low then. I think it's time we go. (laughs) So you decided to go. Yes. We decided to go. Okay. Okay. And you couldn't, again, you can't just go. You've got to call the emergency room. You've got to, you know, so we get to the emergency room and I get out of the car and the nurse is like, Ken, you need to go home. We'll call you in a couple hours after we evaluate. So we, we kind of made the handoff in the parking lot. That was, that was the way it had to be. I couldn't even go in the building. It's hard to imagine that. I mean, what, can you put a word to your feelings in that moment? That must've been horrible. Mm-hmm. Well, well, of course. I mean, obviously, you know, every other instance I've had where I've, I've had to take somebody to the hospital, you can be with them, you can support them, you can, you can watch them, you can ask a lot of questions, and I could do none of that. Because uh, well, un- until I finally made contact with some people through the phone. But other than that, it was, it was because of COVID, you just couldn't be in, in there at all. How so about you, Chris? I mean, were you so, just so me, sick that you didn't care? Or, or? I was so sick, I didn't care. Okay, okay. Nearly walking to the building. Uh, I have memory of the um, emergency room. Um, I know that I was admitted after emergency. I was admitted to a COVID floor, but not intensive care. And I was on oxygen, and my numbers were going up, and it looked okay. And then suddenly it wasn't okay. And uh, they came in and said, we're transferring you to intensive care and we're putting you on a ventilator. And that has been their experience as people go from being okay to not being okay very quickly. Hmm. And I I called Ken, he said I was crying and he really couldn't understand what I was saying. And then I went into respiratory arrest and I don't have any recollection until nine days later when I came off the ventilator. So. That is, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say to that. That just sounds so scary and difficult. And, and I mean, literally, thank God that you're here every day. Um, so for those nine days, Ken, your communication was exclusively with um, medical people, I presume, would you hear from them once a day, twice a day? How was that? So, so it's usually two or three times a day. Um, so uh, I had sort of a routine that we developed with the nursing group that I, I knew when their rounds were, and therefore I wanted to talk to them after rounds because that's when I would know more about Chris's condition and, and, um, and what the plan was for the day. So it was usually around 10 o'clock in the morning and then around five o'clock in the evening is when I would uh, get a chance to talk to them. And sometimes they could talk to me and sometimes they'd have to call me back, but they were outstanding. They were, they were great and they were very helpful. Um, you know, they, they, they understood the problems that I was facing that, you know, I, I, I'm sitting here on the outside looking in, not, not knowing what's going on. And uh, a few times I got called from, from physicians where they would give me um, some uh, you know, feedback about, about what are they seeing and, and what, what, are they, what do they want to do. But it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier, and that is that you know, because COVID is so new, they really didn't know what to expect. And so they would say, okay, you know, this, is, this is what we're seeing. This is what we're waiting for. This is 
Um, you know, these are the things that we're going to do. And it was basically trying to wean her off of the ventilator and get her to breathe a bit more on her own. And, um, and there were days when that happened. And then there were days when we had sort of setbacks and so on. But it was all done via, um, um, via the phone. They did offer a few times to do sort of a, a FaceTime type um, uh, view so I could see Chris. But frankly, you know, just watching Chris lying in bed, you know, unconscious really wasn't what I was looking for. I was really right. looking to talk to her. And, and so I really didn't do that. Yeah, I could see that almost being harder, actually. I mean, yeah, to see her just there. Were, was there any point where you thought you were going to lose her? Or did you throughout feel like it was going to be okay? Or maybe you thought I mean, that every think, hour. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I was on an emotional roller coaster. So, you know, probably overreacting to the feedback that I'm getting. So I'd hear good news and I'd feel really good. And then I'd hear news where, where we had a setback and say, oh my gosh. So um, uh, of course I was, I was quite concerned. And, and, you know, and, then, and then at the same time, all you're, all you're able to see and hear about on the TV is about COVID and about people dying. Right, right. And, you know, maybe the good news is probably I wasn't as well read as I should have been because I probably should have been more concerned when I heard that she was on the ventilator because that's the mortality rate for people on ventilators is still quite high. But, um, um, but again, they did a really good job of, I think, telling me enough, but not telling me everything because if I would have really known everything that we've learned since, you know, I probably really, really would have been messed up. But mm -hmm. Uh, but it was difficult. But I had a lot of lot of support from a lot of different people that that were um, calling me and texting me and and emailing me and so on, which which certainly helped. Yeah, having people call you, pray for you, connect with you. I mean, it it just keeps you going. I would think day by day. Absolutely. Nine days, Chris. You're. You lose that entirely. What do you what do you remember coming out of this nine day period? Well, I don't really remember anything from those nine days. In fact, I have things I don't remember even from when I was sick at home. Um, I remember I thought they were lying to me because it takes an all day process to wean you off a ventilator. Mm -hmm. So they're gradually, you know, decreasing your settings and you're, you're tied, you're, you know, your hands are tied so you can't pull out your tube. Right. I'm saying this is going to happen today and it's now like six or seven o'clock at night and it's still not happening. And so it finally did happen. But, um, and they called Ken and we were FaceTiming and I said to Ken, how did you get me to South Africa for treatment? <laughs> and he's like, Chris you never left the state of Massachusetts. And it's my subconscious was with a phone, I had had a phone conversation with a friend the day before hospitalization that her daughter was stuck in South Africa. Uh. And also when I woke up, the trees outside my hospital room were blooming and they had not been blooming when I went in. So I didn't realize where I was or what day it was. I think you can be forgiven for that, Chris. <laughs> you could have been anywhere. Wow. Um, can, actually, can I go back? Did, did they do anything with you 
like putting you on your stomach or any of the other I did, kind of yes, things they, they discovered? The okay. And they also gave me um, the anti-malaria drug. Ah, uh, okay. The I don't know what the name of that is either, but yeah. So that's that's what I was given. Whether that okay. helped or not, I don't think you know they know. Right, right. Kind of at that point, you know, being an early case, I think right. they were trying whatever they could try. Whatever they could try. Yeah. At what point was the picture I mentioned taken? Was that the day after they took the vent out, or a couple days, or no? That was the day after. Oh, uh, okay. And am I correct in thinking that you were the first person at that hospital that came off a vent? Correct. Successfully. Correct. Wow. We were both happy. Well, I wouldn't have known, but Ken was like, thank God I didn't know that because it would have been extremely difficult. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, I can't imagine. I'm just glad you're on this end of it. So you you get off the vent and... Uh, but then must have still been in the hospital for quite a while. Another seven days. Okay. And um, I would think walking after all of that would have just been, could you even walk to begin with? No, I had, um, well, the first day I couldn't really even feed myself or brush my teeth. Um, and then they started getting me in the chair, which was difficult because I had been laying flat for so long. And so when I started walking, I had a walker um, until I fell in ICU and they came back in bed <laughs> oh, <shoot>. <laughs> with a <laughs> bed alarm. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. Our problem patient, Chris Myers. <laughs> yes, there that's right. She thinks she can do everything she did before and she cannot. <laughs> so um, I was in ICU a few more days and then moved back to the COVID floor. Mm. So I had the walker. Um, you know, ran into some problems with blood clots um, oh. from a line that I had in my arm. Okay. And they, I was on anti-coagulants you know, and still well, that's part of COVID is blood clots. Um, so finally came home 16, on day 16. So Ken, 16 days after you drop her off, you pick her up. Exactly, exactly. How, how did that feel? It, it was terrific. It was terrific. Obviously, still, still a bit concerned because obviously, you know, we don't know about the long, the, even the, you know, the medium, medium term effects and, and so on. And she's still pretty sick. But um, uh, in fact, she still had COVID. She still, still was positive for COVID at that time. Oh. Um, um, but it was really great to be able to pick her up and take her home and, and, um, and be able to see her and, and, just be together. It was, it yeah. was very nice. I, wa I wanted to mention also one of the things that they gave to Chris and sent to me was when they moved her from ICU into uh, a standard uh, hospital room, they actually had a video where they were wheeling her out and they're playing the Rocky song um, or the Rocky music at that time. Everybody yep. was clapping and so on. You've, you've seen other examples of that, you know, on the news and so on, but it was really special. How about you, Chris? Talk, talk us through the day you left. Well, again, I had to wait all day and I'm like, come on, I want to go. Yeah. And they wanted me out of there too. They didn't want me getting something else. So by the time five o'clock in the evening came, I was really tired. So I was happy, you know, just to be in the car and, you know, so 
first four weeks were, I came home on oxygen. I had a nurse and physical therapy coming several times a week um, to kind of, you know, help me get back to where I need to be. So that's And is, is that ongoing or do you feel, are you largely independent at this point at least? Um, I'm largely independent now. Um, like I said, it's been eight weeks since I've been mm -hmm. home. Um, Ken still takes me for walks. Um, I still have my cane that I use outside. Okay tired um and you know just having some cardiac issues um blood pressure is really unstable very low or very high um heart rate can fluctuate um problems with thermal regulation and again they're thinking it's all something with the autonomic nervous system and they it's just a matter of waiting okay we were talking, I think, before we started how, you know, it's a novel virus. None of us know, you know, its long-term effects. So you're still living with that and, and walking through that. I think people would be interested, uh, am I also correct, Ken, you never, you never got it. Uh, that's, that's is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, so right after Chris tested positive, so that was day two in the hospital, um, um, I, I actually got a call from the health department basically telling me what I, I needed to do. And then I contacted my primary care uh, provider and got myself tested and Michael, uh, my son tested because we were both in the same, in the house with Chris. Okay. I tested negative and Michael tested positive. Um, nobody really knows how that's possible that we could, that that could be that I, I would test negative, you know, being with them for as long as I was with them. But, it, maybe it's just one of those weird things, or maybe you know, I'm, I'm just asymptomatic. I don't know, but that's that's um, that's 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 it right now. Uh, well, we're thankful for that. And Mike's Mike's doing okay. Yeah, he had a pretty mild case, you know, cough and diarrhea, and so after what, like ten days, um, you know, he was fine. And I didn't even know he was sick until I woke up, and then I was, you know, he has asthma, so I'm like, oh my gosh, please. Uh. He's okay. He's okay. Good. So we're thankful for that too. Now, yep. um, uh, you have, I would think, Chris, none of the risk factors that people think of related to I the don't. disease. No, I'm 59. I don't have any, you know, existing health issues that listed. So it was pretty, that's why when I first got sick, I really didn't believe I had COVID. I really thought it was just some kind of virus I had picked up on the plane. Yep. But I, I think an interesting thing that here's someone with no risk factors and yet you got super sick. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons we're talking, I, I guess, is based on your life experience, how are you living now in a sense? And as you watch our society open back up, how does that make you feel? And what, I guess, just what are you thinking as you watch this all going on? Well, obviously, I'm very grateful that I got excellent care, you know. Um, I worry, I mean, I'm, I think we need to open up as a society, you know. I think we need to get back to our lives. Mm -hmm. People need to respect the virus. And it's not that difficult to wear a mask. And it's not that difficult to do some of the things that we're asked to do. 
And yet we go out and we see people who have a mask on, but yet it's not covering their nose or... Yeah, I don't get that. Crazy things like that. You know, and I, I just think people need to respect the virus until we can figure out how to manage this long-term. Because I'm not sure it's going to go away. Having been through the experience, I know it makes you grateful. Are you worried about your future or are you just kind of grateful to be living one day at a time? And I'm grateful to be living one day at a time. I'm hoping that these effects on my heart go away. You know, over time, I have some numbness in my hand that I'm hoping I will get back, but that's kind of a small thing and I can learn to live with it. But it was a long haul. Sometimes to me, it's not real. I think, did this really happen to me? You know, it was a long time. How about you, Ken? How has it changed your life or your thinking? Well, I, I mean, I agree with some of the comments that Chris made. I mean, I, I, I do think we need to be careful. Um, I, I, I do think we need, to, we need to move forward and open up because I, I can see what it's done to our economy and so on. But I also believe that we need to be careful and, and, and take some of these precautions because I think we've proven that those precautions are successful. And that's the way we flatten the curve. And, and the reason why we haven't seen really a widespread um, um, increase in, in cases, we've been able to kind of control it. I, I do worry a bit about the fall because we all know that, um, you know, taking influenza as an example, you know, usually you don't see a lot of influenza in the summer, but it comes back in the fall. I, I worry that, that we're going to see a bit of that. Um, so uh, uh, that, that's certainly a, a concern of mine that I, I think we just all have to be mindful of. And, and frankly, if I, if I think about like the, the business I work in and so on, you know, our, our approach is that we're not, the steps we're taking now from a social distancing perspective, from a, you know, how do we manage our day-to-day, we've all said we're at least going to carry that through till the end of the year. Um, and then we'll see what happens. We'll see you know, where, where things look from a vaccine perspective or, or so on, and then we'll make judgments there. But, but we spend an enormous amount of time talking about how do we make sure that we keep our, our, our associates healthy because I work in an environment where we're one of those essential businesses. So we're operating and we want to make sure we keep people safe. Mm-hmm. Good for you. I mean, that, that's really encouraging to know that employers are looking out for their employees. Uh, and, and everything you said, you know, applies to us, too, as we think about a church. How do we come back? Uh, it certainly crossed our mind. We, to the extent that we're coming back this summer, we're aiming to do that uh, totally outdoors. But then, of course, as you just said, we'll hit the fall. We'll have to move indoors, but that's also precisely the time where the situation might start getting worse again. So. Um, a lot of unknowns, that's for sure. And uh, like you guys, we're just kind of going one day at a time and trying to be really careful and um, respectful of people's differing uh, needs and opinions on all of this. Uh, you're both people of faith. Um, I, I'm thinking that was maybe most made real to you by the people who took care of you uh, or the people who supported you. Uh, can you say anything about that I remember you sent me a prayer I was 
you know, just um, in the emergency room and you sent me a prayer about how I needed to trust the people that were taking care of me that they would do. And obviously I didn't have a choice, but I, <laughs> that, you know, God had to have something to do with it because I, not being familiar with the healthcare system out here, we just went to a hospital. We didn't know if it was a good hospital or, you know, and I had a great team of people, you know, taking care of me. And, you know, Ken had a great, you know, team of people at home, you know, helping him and Michael and Anna, you know, get through what they needed to get through. Yeah. I, I hadn't heard that. I, I, I presumed all along that you never did see the prayer. I thought you were already like, in ICU. So I'm glad you got the prayer. That's <laughs> just being able to put yourself in other people's hands is really an act of faith. And I'm glad they were a blessing to you in every way. How about you, Ken? What was happening for you in all of this? I mean, certainly uh, all the friends and family that reached out, uh, I, I feel quite blessed because that really helped me get through it. And uh, I, 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 a number of folks, including yourself from, from Cross of Life, uh, reached out. Um, you know, a, a number of folks from the church that we go to here in Massachusetts reached out, and our, our pastor and, and other, the, the, the president of the congregation and so on, reached out and, and, and were praying for us and so on. Um, but then I probably had just a, a, a large group of friends and, and people, coworkers at, at work that, that were there to help. And um, um, certainly that help was, was sort of different throughout the whole journey. Um, you know, there, there were certainly, you know, periods where things were pretty dark. And then there were periods where things got, got better. But, but, but having that, um, that support from everybody was really special and really made it, um, made it manageable for me. Because, again, I was, I, I was not in a good place, I think, when you called me. Um, uh, right, right when Chris had gone in, um, it, was, it was not looking good. So I did, I needed help and, and I got it. So I'm, I feel, I feel very, uh, very blessed uh, for that. We have friends who are um, Hindus. Um, we, my sister has friends that are Muslims. And she said, my, she told me, she said, Chris, I think every religion under the sun is out there praying. Right. You know, so. Well, and uh, great. Thanks for that. Right. And uh I, I just think that's one of the few silver linings of all of this is we have so much in common. And one of the things is I think all of our faith traditions teach us to not forget each other, to hold each other up in prayer and support each other as best we can. And uh, I'm, I'm just, again, really kind of awed that uh, all of those people were there for you and in the midst of something so, so very difficult. Chris, maybe we'll, we'll give you the, the last word. Um, so you're a former nurse. You've had COVID. You're a person of faith. How do you see your, your future going forward? You know, I'm not sure. You know, mm -hmm. I, when I, I remember calling Pastor Sherry when I woke up and saying, I think this is the Easter miracle that I <laughs> But I feel, I do feel like there's something that I have to do in life. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm still here. And so I think I need to figure out what that is. Yep. And maybe this is part of it, letting people know how serious it is and um, 
you know, that they need to keep up their precautions. Um, and I think my children still need me. I think that's a big factor, mm -hmm. you know, um, especially Anna. <laughs> you had a very difficult time. Yeah, I bet. Poor Kathy Turco got called every day. <laughs> <laughs> By Anna? Yes. <laughs> well, Kathy's a good person to talk to. So. Absolutely. So. Well, that is a perfect salvation. I mean, I, I think all of us uh, are here for a purpose, and uh, sometimes you just live into it, right? I mean, uh, sometimes maybe it's really clear what we should do next, but I think other times you live into it, and uh, hopefully this experience makes all of us a little more willing to listen to our, our hearts and to each other, and uh, as a result, we'll be more in tune with what those purposes are. All I know is I, I'm, I'm really appreciative that both of you could be a part of this conversation. Honestly, personally, other than you, I've not yet talked to anyone who had COVID. And I, I think it's, I appreciate kind of your braveness and being able to talk to it this soon after you had the illness. And, and I really do hope that it's beneficial for everyone who listens and just gets to hear what your experience was like, both as the person who was sick and as the, the spouse who was uh, a caregiver and a worrier and a prayer and a communicator and all of those things. So uh, from all of your good friends at Unity, especially at Cross of Life, uh, greetings uh, from all of us. And uh, you're, you continued both to be in our prayers. And I'm so thankful that uh, you are on the road to recovery. Thank you. Thank you. To everybody who's had a chance to listen to us today, thanks so much for joining us on Belief Beat. And uh, you too, please keep Chris and Ken Myers in your prayers, both for recovery and that they, like the rest of us, grow into God's purposes for our lives. Done for now. Bye-bye. <laughs>